This morning we're going to be looking at the concept of Amen in prayer. Um, and I've expanded it a little bit because Amen is actually used more than just prayer. So I'm going to have a look at how it's used within Scripture. Um, and we will talk about it with prayer as well. So Amen is actually from the Hebrew. Uh, and our English word Amen is actually a transliteration of the Greek word Amen. Um, so if you change the Greek letters into the English equivalents, that's what you get. Amen. Alright, and it has the idea of, um, now this is very old King James, verily um, or truly. Uh, um, or the, the basic idea of it being so be it. Um, I don't know how well this is going to work because I don't know how many people we've got who are Star Trek fans. But in Next Generation, every time the captain wanted to have something done, he would say, make it so. And that is the idea of make it happen. And in here, it would be in responding to God, let it be so. In other words, let it happen that way. So, having a look at a number of passages, um, starting off in the Old Testament, uh, and again, forgive my pronunciations, uh, and King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of um, Jehoiada. Um, So they came before the king, and the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and shall be king in my place. For I have anointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, uh, answered the king and said, Amen. May the Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. As the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, even so, may he be with Solomon, make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So you can see here, um, it's in the response to that announcement of David to go and anoint Solomon as um, the king, as his successor. And so um, Benaniah basically responds with, Amen, make it so, you know, or so be it. And interestingly, he also appeals on God to say, may God say that too. In other words, may God be in agreement with it. There's a couple of other interesting uses of Amen as well in the Old Testament. Um, One of the ones was, This was a test that was given to the priests. If a woman was accused of adultery, not caught in the act, because if um, people were caught in the act, then both of them got stoned. But if she was accused, the husband, for example, got jealous thinking that she was being unfaithful, then they had a test. And the idea was that they'd make up this bitter waters and she'd drink it. And then depending on the result... um, it would show whether, uh, by God's action, whether she was guilty or not. And it's interesting, um, when you look at it, 
Because when he starts off in um, 19 of Numbers 5, he says, And the priest shall put her under oath and say to the woman, If no man is laying with you, and if you have not gone astray to uncleanness while under your husband's authority, be free from this bitter waters that brings a curse. But if you've gone astray while under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourselves and some man other than your husband has lain with you, then the priest shall put the woman under the oath of the curse, and he shall say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people. When the Lord makes your thigh rot and your belly swell, and may this water be that causes the curse go into your stomach and make your belly swell and your thigh rot. So this idea of this is the curse, all right? So if she has been unfaithful, um, then this is what's going to result. But the important bit is, for the particular of this sermon, is what the other bit has to do. Then the woman shall say, Amen, so be it. And this is the idea of you have to sign up to it. And it's not the only instance that it occurs because when he's going through in Deuteronomy and laying out the curses in the law, remember that the law was blessings. If you do this, you will be blessed, you will be multiplied, etc. and all the other things that came with it. But there was a contrary side to it as well. And that contrary side was the curses. And so we'll just do an extract from Deuteronomy 27. Then the Levite shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or moulded image an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed is the one who treats his father or mother with contempt. And all the people shall shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbour's landmark. And the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and the people shall say, Amen. You get the idea, and there's a few of them, and I'm not going to go through all of them. But, when you think about what does it mean to say, Amen, looking at these examples, the idea of so be it, um, and in the curses, it's not just that we're telling you about the curses, you have to Sign up to it. You have to respond by saying Amen. And so these people basically couldn't come back later on and say, Oh, look, I didn't know or I forgot. Or it's like, no, you actually signed up to it. And in our modern day, we would use this, and it's not out culture, it's our culture. Um, you, we would say, sign on the dotted line. All right? I'm signing up to this. And that's sort of that idea of those curses uh, and the way the people are to respond, amen, when they do that. Okay, a couple of next ones. Um, so I'm giving you some examples of the types of ways it's used. So in First Chronicles, on that day, David first delivered his psalm into the hands of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. And there's a bit more, and then he finishes off and, and say, Save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, and all the people shall say, Amen, and praise the Lord. Or all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And again, this is 
getting closer to what we would traditionally be thinking about when we say amen, and that is some sort of um, prayer or praise. In this particular instance, um, using some of the fancy terminologies, doxologies, etc., but the idea of praise of God. In Nehemiah 8 and verse 6, um, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And again, a response of the people, this time to the praising of the Lord. Interestingly though, you've now got a double Amen rather than just the single. All right? And we're going to come across this again in the New Testament um, where sometimes it's just single, sometimes it's double. All right? Okay, so seeing then basically um, in addition to the curses and some of the tasks that you know, people were set, that idea of responding to praise to, of God. Um, and we can see that peop- the people responded um, to those statements of praise. And again, the idea, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two. This is an interesting one um, in, from the book of Jeremiah. Then the Jeremiah, uh, prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied um, to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, hear now the word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. And as for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet came to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. And so basically you've got this prophet Hananiah standing up and saying, look, don't worry about it. In two years, God's going to bring all the things back from the temple and all the captives will be back. Uh, This is just before the Babylonian captivity. All right. And it's interesting because um, in Hananiah's prophecy, Jeremiah's listening to it, but he responds, Amen. In other words, it's like, well, hope that, you know, so be it. That'd be good if that happens, but. And then he gives us the, um, the warning of it's the prophets whose prophecy comes true are the ones who the Lord's really sent. All right. So even knowing that that's um, a suspect, because otherwise he wouldn't have got the but, it's interesting that he still responds, Amen. All right? So you can sort of, you know, I don't think this is going to happen. But So that was an interesting one. Um, this is another interesting one in Isaiah. And this is the alternate um, meaning of Amen. Rather than that, so be it. Because the two words here in yellow are in fact the word Amen. 
So he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. And in this instance, amen is translated truth. All right? Uh, and we're going to come across that in the New Testament because um, it's, in fact, the majority of the uses in the New Testament are not in responses to prayers. Okay. So, um, that idea of um, prophecy, uh, in that response to the prophecy by Jeremiah, but also that truth uh, concept as well. In statements of praises, um, in a number of the Psalms, uh, you get that again, that same call to um, Amen at the end of praise. Alright. First Chronicles, you've got people responding amen to David delivering a psalm um, and also in a response by um, Ezra, which we've seen. And notice again, sometimes it's just amen, sometimes it's double amen. So again, that idea of response to praise. Um, Interestingly, it's never used of blessings. It's only used to the cursings. And so you never had to say, so be it, in response to the curse in Deuteronomy. Alright? But you had to, uh, to the, to the blessing, sorry. But you had to sign up to the curses. So you couldn't say, oh well, you know, it's not, you were there, you said amen, you signed up to this. Alright? But it wasn't necessary for the, um, for the blessings. Interestingly, other than the Psalms, um, it seems to be used as an example, as a response to prayer. Um, but it was more of a Jewish custom um, that it was widely used. Okay, so in the New Testament, um, and again, as I mentioned earlier, the word we have, Amen, is a transliteration of the Greek. So if you write the Greek out in English letters, you get A-M-E-N. Right? And again, that was a carryover from the Hebrew. So again, it has these um, ideas of so be it. But it also has that idea of truth. And as I said, it was a custom that was passed over from the synagogues to the Christian assemblies that you would get it at the end of things like prayers um, and other solemn uh, things like re- you know um, reading of psalms, doxologies, etc. So as we've seen in the Old Testament usages. Okay, this is one of the um, the ones where we're back to that alternate understanding of this word, and that is truth. In the Old King James, it would have been translated, "Verily I say to you, or unto you." In ours, it's assuredly I say to you. All right. In other words, truly is another translation that you would see here for this word. Truly I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In the other one in John, you've got most assuredly. And that is just the double. So in the old King James, it would have been verily, verily I say unto you. Or truly, truly I say unto you. And they've changed it now in the... Um, the translations to go strong assuredly. Most assuredly I say unto you. But it's the same thing. It's that double amen used as in truly, truly. Uh, this is really, really, really true. The interesting thing, this is, this is used by Jesus. 
And in fact, it's 101 times in the New Testament the word Amen is used by Jesus at the beginning of the statement as that truth, to assure you of the truth of the statement. And sometimes it's the double, sometimes it's not. Um, The other usage that we quite often see in the New Testament is again that doxology or that praise of God. Um, or So Romans 1, and, and these appear in the middle of letters, um, not just at the end. So therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonour their, body, their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and then the Amen. Um, the other one is from the Romans, is actually towards the end of the book of Romans um, and this again is one of the other uses that you see. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Christ Jesus forever. Amen. And again, that same sort of, sometimes you get that sort of doxology at the end uh, and followed by an amen, sometimes you don't. So, interesting, there's no curses in the New Testament, um, so obviously it doesn't appear there. But we do get that statements of praise. Um, and as you see, I've listed, listed out a whole bunch of them um, for you to go and have a review at later on. Prophecy, and again, fitting in with that Jeremiah idea, um, this is from Revelation. John to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his glory and Father, um, to, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him every, and even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So here we have both of those uses in the same passage. Um, but the particular one I want to focus on at the end is that sort of idea of the prophecy. All right? And it's interesting because he says, um, you know, this is going to cause people to mourn, but even so, so be it. All right? And that again, that sort of idea of the response to the prophecy. Um, the Revelation 5 one, and then this is getting into that sort of imagery that you have in Revelation of the visions of um, the throne room of God. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth 
and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessed and honour and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four creatures said, Amen, and the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And again, that response of um, that blessing, that um, praise of God. Um, though interestingly, this time it's not humans who are responding, Amen. Um, it's the, the living creatures. And there's another similar passage uh, in Romans, uh, sorry, Revelation 19. 1 Corinthians uh, 1 to 2, and it, I put two translations up because depending on which way you go with it, uh, as to how it's translated. Because um, in 2 Corinthians 1 20, it says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, that's the New King James Version. Um, I looked at the NIV as well, and this is sort of reflecting that other quite side of it. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So in one instance they've gone out as the amen is the response of us, Um, in the other it would be more the the truth idea. However, which way you want to go with um, that translating. But, the, the interesting one, though, is in Revelation 3, and he says, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and beginning of the creation of God. And again, it's more similar to that idea of what we had in God in the Old Testament, that truth. Okay, so you say, what happened to all the prayers? Isn't it interesting? We've gone through most of the use of the words Amen and apart from Psalms, there's very little in the way of um, prayers. There is a couple, I'm getting to them. But it's the interesting, we tend to think of Amen exclusively for the use of prayer. And in the, the scriptures, it's not. It's actually um, not the primary use that we find. Mostly it's these things of blessings uh, and benedictions. And, okay, and quite often you'll get it often at the end of an, uh, one of the letters as well. And it's interesting. Alright, so those are sort of um, up to this point. What have we been talking about? Again, that summary of praise, that response to praise, um, in response to prophecy, and again that relation to God and Jesus. Um, and particularly... Um, Jesus using it as that word uh, truly or assuredly, depending on which translation you're using. Okay, end of letters and gospels and also blessings and benedictions. So where's the prayer bit? Matthew, um, verse 6, chapter 6, sorry, um, verse 8 to 13, uh, which most people can quote without having to look at it, but what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and Jesus in the Matthew account um, is recorded as ending it, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so here, and again, notice that it's, what's the end bit? It's actually conclusion to the prayer, conclusion to the doxology. So it's, 
double. <laughs> so, and as I said earlier, it was a custom that was brought over from the, um, the Jewish synagogues into the Christian assemblies. Um, though interestingly in the Luke account, Luke doesn't record that last sentence. So Luke only um, goes for the majority of it and drops the last sentence. And depending on which textual variations, which I'm not going into, um, some textual variations drop it as well. However, there is another passage where it is very strongly linked to prayer. And that is in 1 Corinthians 14, 16. Uh, And this is in that context, um, and I'll come back and read that in a second. Remember the context in 1 Corinthians, um, there's this discussion on spiritual gifts. And one of the problems seems to be uh, to do with people having the wrong idea of what spiritual gifts are about, okay, and how they use them. And some people thinking that because they've got tongues, they're better than somebody else who's got this, all right. And so coming through the context of that, where it's almost like a power play, uh, and again, that's a very, very um, loose summary of chapter 12, he heads into 13, which was, I'll show you a better way. All right? And then he goes through the chapter on love. So then when we get into 14, um, we pick it up again. And I'm going to pick it up in uh, verse 12. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret... And if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, I will also sing with the understanding. And remember this is, um, I probably should have put a bit more context in at the beginning. Um, He's talking about the problems with tongues and people not interpreting them. And so in this discussion, it's like, that's what the idea of the understanding is. Because if I just pray in a tongue, and remember tongue is just a language. So if I spoke to you a prayer in Swahili, or if I could pull it off New Testament Greek, um, you'd all sit there and go, huh? And that's his point. You'd all sit there and go, huh? But if I spoke to you in Swahili and there was somebody over there who then translated that Swahili into English, then you would all know what I was talking about. And you wouldn't go, huh, you would have the understanding. Alright? And that's what his his conclusion is then, pray with the Spirit but also with the understanding. Sing with the Spirit but also with the understanding. And then he gives you an example. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit... How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? And so, two things here. First of all, you've got the saying amen at the end of prayers. Right? Particularly in this instance, he's talking about giving of thanks. But... He's linking that to the discussion of understanding. And he's making the argument that if you pray in Swahili, in using my example, and no one speaks or understands Swahili, then how are you going to say amen? Because it's meaningless to you. 
But if you've got that person translating and then you all understand because he's translating in English for you, then you can say amen. Why? Because you understand what's going on. How can you say so be it if you don't get what he's on about? And that's basically his argument in here. So not only is he linking the idea of, yes, um, they were saying amen at the end of prayers, but he's linking it to the fact that you must understand what is being said to be able to respond in that way. Otherwise, how can you say, again, so be it to God when you've got no clue? And again, he he finishes off, and again, in the context of this, um, if you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified, um, you know, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. And again, that just highlighting that idea is it's not edifying to the church. So, Here's our example of prayer. So we have the two examples of prayer in New Testament scripture. Um, the first one being the Lord's Prayer, or that model prayer, um, and the second one is in this one. And the idea of is an expectation of wanting to be able to give, to say amen at the end, to say so be it, linking with that prayer. All right? And to do so, then you need to actually understand what the prayer is about. Otherwise, how can you say, And remember, you're saying, God make it so, if it's your will, and you don't know what you're saying. All right. So, to finish off then, um, that's, those are the examples, it's interesting, those are the examples that we have that in prayer. Um, The idea of, fundamentally, what are we doing when we're saying amen to a prayer? You can see by the various examples we're saying, so be it. God make it so, if it's your will. And so, um, that's why the understanding was so important in Corinthians. And it's not exclusive to prayer. It's used in a number of ways in the New Testament and in the Old Testament in relation particularly to praise of God. Um, when you look at the, um, the doxologies, the number of examples that we've looked at, um, particularly in the New Testament letters. All right. um, so while we say it in prayer, it is not exclusive to prayer.